Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. My name is Kate. And I'm Rebecca. We've created this space just for you because we're both moms and we get you. Yes, we believe there truly ain't no hood like the motherhood and we need to be in this together. We also believe we can't mom well without Jesus. So you're going to hear us talk about him too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gather Moms and make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, mamas, let's jump in. Welcome to episode 70 of the Gather Moms podcast. We're so glad that you're here. Just, I just wanted to say, I just love our podcast community. They're the best. And I love that they join us and text us and message us and tell us, you know, that they laughed or that something meant something to them. So listen, so all these podcast real people have these clothes with phrases that they say often. Yeah. And I already know what our first t-shirt should say. Do you really? I do. What is it? It's a phrase that's said often on our podcast. What I it? say part of it, and then you say the whole thing. We can't mom well without Jesus? Oh, that's so spiritual. Oh, no. no. What is it? Listen, sis. Oh. I say listen all the time. You say listen, sis. <laughs> Because I listen to our podcast several times, so I know this. And I'm like, would that not be a cute podcast shirt? I think that's an adorable All our shirt. followers could walk around with, listen, sis. <laughs> you like it? I think that's really cute. Let's do I just, it. One day when we're famous, I feel like we should have, you know, t-shirts <laughs> with mantras on them. We don't have to wait till that day. We have a shop on our website. Let's make it. Let's do it. <gasps> Let's do it. Y'all be ready. Coming soon to a website near you. Yes. Okay, so we are in our season called Mom Interrupted, and we wanted to talk about something today that, you know, we did a survey um, earlier this year in 2022 called the Mama Check-In, and we asked you guys all kinds of questions, and it was so helpful, y'all. Thank you. We had hundreds of mamas answer those questions, and um, one of the things that you guys said that you wanted us to talk about more and you needed more help with was discipline. Oh, Yes. All the discipline help. <laughs> Teach me how to discipline my children. And so today in our interrupted season, we wanted to talk about interrupted by discipline, by disobedience, by bad choices. The word no. Oh, the word no from the toddler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, and the word no from mom. Yes. You know, the disruptions that come when our children don't obey, when they don't fall in line, right? It is highly disruptive. So before we talk about our own kids, I wanted to throw it back, Rebecca, <laughs> to you and me. And I want to know, what did you get in trouble for as a kid? Like, how were you disobedient? So I apparently was a very disobedient child. What? I know. Isn't this fun? Y'all are learning so much about me. Um, I had a paddle with my name on it. Shut up because it was used so often you are lying to i'm me. not lying to you i literally do i think i still have it in my house my parents kept it and gave it to me it's got my name on it it's used a lot wow and i went through this phase when i was four ish where i wanted my hair to be perfect every day uh-huh and it wasn't uh-huh. bless my mom she tried and okay. i would throw temper tantrums okay all the way out the door into the car while they were driving, while they were trying to get me out of the car and all the way into wherever we were going. Oh, no. So they have pictures of me, like, throwing the tantrum in the back seat of the car, then prying my fingers from the back seat, 
Apparently, it was really traumatic in my house. Apparently, if they have pictures of it. And then they chopped my hair off. Okay. Super short. Because they were I couldn't like, handle it. I yeah. apparently was too emotionally involved with my hair. Oh, my goodness. And they said it completely changed my personality, and I became a lovely child. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> lovely. Oh, my goodness. Rebecca, this is fascinating. Yes. So, see, I have issues. <laughs> we all got issues. And you're the youngest in I'm your family. I'm the youngest, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think birth order is important. So, um, I was a very obedient child. Like, I really didn't get in trouble. Yeah. I know. Isn't that kind of crazy? That Does is. that surprise you? You just waited for later. <laughs> <laughs> you think I get in trouble now? You think I'm a troublemaker? I um, just don't think you like rules sometimes. You know what? Here's the funny thing about me and rules. I am a rule follower if I think your rules are good. But if I don't think your rules make sense, I'm out. Yeah, I don't like it. So when someone tries to put like unnecessary rules Masking on me. Masking on airplanes? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm out. I'm out. This doesn't make any sense. I'm going to sip this water the entire flight. Yes, I just saw a meme <laughs> or something yesterday that was like, shout out to those of us who were eight for three hours on a plane, <laughs> you know, for the last two years. That's me, 100%. I'm like, yes. no, I'm still drinking this coffee. So, <laughs> no, I was pretty obedient as a child. I did little things, you know, um... I was pretty compliant, which honestly, Rebecca, I mean, I'm still kind of that way. I've gotten to be much less this way, but I was such a people pleaser. You know, I didn't want anyone to be unhappy with me. Apparently, and... I didn't care if you were unhappy with me. <laughs> no. I and live in my life. I think to some extent you're still that way. <laughs> That's funny. It bothers you a little, but for me, it's like soul crushing, you know? So if someone doesn't like me, I'm like, what? Why? And I'm like, I'm going to do it again. I want to watch their reaction. <laughs> um, so I did little things like I don't know if we've talked about some of these things I was thinking about I thought I think I've shared this before on the podcast but like I hated peas so when my mom would serve peas I would spit them into my milk <gasps> Your milk yes, yes. I remember you sharing that yeah. yes um, I hated to vacuum the house and so I would just run the vacuum back <laughs> we and talked forth. about how this was really not working in your favor because if you're gonna run it you might as well turn I it just on. didn't turn the power on I yes. would just swipe it back and forth over the carpet so she think it was just an act of defiance you know I think more than anything <laughs> Um, so, you know, there wasn't anything major. Like I, I never, but see, you lived in the bubble, right? <laughs> so there was plenty of disobedience. Apparently there were spankings in the bubble. <laughs> yes. But there were plenty of things you didn't do. I mean, I could have totally done, but I never snuck out, you know, but I had friends that snuck out and stuff and, you know, I didn't do anything too crazy. So, but I had friends that were doing, you know, they were going to parties and they were doing wild things. Their parents had no idea they were doing. I just wasn't really that kid. You definitely weren't that kid. You didn't even know that was an option. I'm trying to think in my head. I don't remember anybody sneaking out. Oh my gosh. No. Okay. One time, the one time I did sneak out, this is, this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So my dad and stepmom and, uh, and her, my stepmom's two boys, so my stepbrothers, and then my sister and I, and I got to bring a friend. We went to Port Aransas one summer. And, By yourselves? Well, with my with our parents. Okay. So, but um, the the we were staying at a friend's house, and I don't know why this is, but for some reason there was enough room for the parents to stay and the stepbrothers, but not for Mercedes and I. So they put us in a, ho and Sharon's, so they put us in a hotel next to where they were. This seems strange. Isn't interesting that they didn't put the boys in the hotel and they put y'all? You know what? Or themselves? Were the boys there? I think the boys were there. Anyway, 
Because they oh, no. were scared the boys were going to sneak out. So they're like, we're going to put the sweet girls. Okay. Maybe so, honestly. Yeah. And I was I was 16 or 17, and they had given us, like, I left them at the house, and I took my little sister and Sharon and I over to the hotel um, in my dad's expedition for us to spend the night in the hotel. Okay, well, earlier that night, where we were at in Port Aransas, um, there was this, like, where this uh, beach house was, where my parents were staying, there was this party on the beach. So we had all, like... Sharon and I, my friend, had gone down there, and we met these boys and stuff like that. <gasps> you met boys on the beach? Yes, and there was, like, a bonfire, and it was, like, very, like, something you would see, like, in a TV show. In, like, a teen love story. Yes, so they were all, I mean, they were having so much fun. My dad came down there and embarrassed us so bad because he was like, Kate. And then he came over, and he was like, do you smell that? Do you know what that is? And I was, I didn't know what it was, you know. But he was like, there is weed everywhere out here. And I was like, no, 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 you know, because I, I didn't know. I, didn't, I seriously was clueless. So anyway, so then these boys that we met, though, they were like, because we said, we have to go. And they were like, well, we're going to be out here all night. You know, why don't you come back? So they gave us their How phone How old number. are these boys? You know, 18. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So my parents go up to the house. I drive to the hotel. And Sharon and I, we call this boy. You had his number? Yes. But you didn't have a cell phone. I think it actually was a cell phone. You had cell phones back then? I mean, it was 2000. It wasn't like a great cell phone. Because I didn't have a cell phone when I was 16. (laughs) So they were like, hey, we're still at the beach. Why don't you come back? So listen, I mean, this was the most rebellious thing I ever did. I left my little sister. By herself? By herself. How old was Mercy? She was four, no, 13. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Left her by herself in the hotel room. Sharon and I sneak out at midnight or something. To drive down to this beach in the dark, we go meet these boys. We hang out for a couple hours. Nothing crazy happened or anything. I remember, like, we buried each other in the sand, and we hung out and everything. I'm not, nothing bad happened. Why are you For those like of that? you that can't see me through the podcast, Mike, I'm giving her the eyes. <laughs> nothing weird. When you bury someone, that's not sexual. What do you think it's what 16-year-old is burying each other in the sand? I don't know, dog. I don't know. So, but I remember us driving back, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I cannot believe we just did that. We get back to the hotel room. My little sister is crying because she is so scared. Of course she is. She was She's like. She's been by herself from midnight to 2 a.m. Yes. So, anyway, my parents never found <gasps> they out. They never found out. Okay, you have got to drop that bomb at a Christmas dinner no, coming listen, up. So you like have to. Three years ago, I finally told them okay, what happened. Okay, good. And they were so disappointed. It was like it was the day it happened. What? Come on, parents. <laughs> this is when you get to laugh about it, when you find out I 10 thought, years later I know. that your kids broke the rules. I thought they were going to laugh. They did not laugh. No, they did not laugh. I mean, they got over it pretty quickly, but it was like, oh, you disappointed us. <laughs> You're like, God, people, you're supposed to say, wow, that's so amazing. I know, no, but see, then the people pleaser and Kate is like, I'm so sorry. I know no, you're an adult. It's okay. Years ago. It's okay. <laughs> Moms, when your kids come back in 15 years and tell you something that they did, just look at them in the face and go, I love you. Yes, you wild thing. I'm so glad I did not know at the time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what you say. Yes. So, so I was not planning on telling that story. It was quite the rabbit trail <laughs> down the beach. Um, so, you know, we did disobedient things. What about, like, lately with your kids? What are they doing that's disobedient? Where they're just, like, wearing you out with something? Um, I think right now the littlest one keeps trying to pit her dad and me against each other. Ooh, you know, like, when she yeah. asks you for something, can I download this app? Can I have 15 more minutes? Can I get a snack? And you're like, no, 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 no. And then I'll hear her in the other room with her dad asking the same question. <sighs> And I'll walk out and be like, I already gave you an answer. 
So I know she's trying to manipulate the situation. Yes. That is so tough. I think that's a universal problem. Yes. For sure. Yes. And we have to say to our kids all the time, hey, we're on the same team. Whatever dad says, I say. But sometimes that can be hard because don't you like sometimes not agree with him? 100%. (laughs) But usually Greg says yes to everything. Yeah. (laughs) I say no to everything. So maybe that's why she's going to him. Yeah, for sure. She knows that he's going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah, my kids, you know, I think there hasn't been anything lately that's like overtly disobedient. Gosh, thank God. We're not in like a situation where it's like banging They're the head. sneaking out of the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Meeting people downtown fate. No. Uh, oh my at gosh. the truck yard <laughs> with the food trucks. <laughs> um, Listen, that could happen in our town. I'm yes. just saying it could. For those of you who don't know, we live in this little bitty town and it has recently created this little truck yard. It has all these food trucks. It's super cute. And they have a playground now. Yeah. I mean, it's the happening it's big place time. to be. Yeah, we're big time out here. So um, there hasn't been anything that's been major. So, you know, like we regularly have disobedience around screens. Like you've been on it too long or I told you to turn it off and turn it in. You know, things like that. But there just hasn't been anything major. So, but what has been happening is, and I want to talk about disobedience first by talking about this first. Because there's a difference between being a child and being disobedient. Super good. Yes. Let's talk about that. Because I think my issues lately have not been so much to deal with direct disobedience as just childhood ignorance and childhood foolishness. Agreed. Right? Yes. And I think it's important for us to remember that there's a really key difference there because it's almost like doing something on accident and doing something on purpose, right? You yes. think about when we discipline our kids and it's like, so-and-so hit me, but then you find out that, you know, well, that was an accident. They weren't trying to hit you. They were swinging their arm. Right, right. And you say, well, I'm not going to punish them, honey. They were, that was an accident. Right. But if someone, sure enough, pulls up and launches a, you know, a hit in the face at my kid. Yeah. You know, then that person, they need to get punished for that because that was intentional. Right. Right. So I think we need to remember when we're talking about childhood disobedience, that there's a difference between just them being a child and being foolish and willful disobedience. Well, and I think it's so hard when you're the parent because you're trying so hard to, you know, monitor your kids and raise them right that I think sometimes we jump to discipline but if you've got another mama in the room with you sometimes they'll go oh that's you know they'll Uh they'll even like laugh about Uh it or like say something about it because they see the childishness in whatever happened that's very true whereas me as the mom is like oh my gosh I gotta squash that we can't be doing that yeah but it's really just them trying to like spread their wings a little bit for sure so the last episode I talked about how Caroline like I was trying to get out the door for dinner and she Colored her stool and stuff. Okay, so then we had a repeat situation this week. She colored her stool again? No. So I was trying to get ready for Easter. And, you know, we have people coming to say, when people stay at my house, it's like I go double down on the cleaning. You know, like we're cleaning carpets. Like it's like serious business, you know, because I, I want them to be able to open cabinets and feel organized. Like I probably go over the top, but I just get the house really ready. Do you ready. reorganize your fridge when people come over? I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I opened my fridge today and thought... You're ugly. <laughs> You're just a mess. <laughs> Nothing is, nothing's where it should be. Oh, yes, but I do. I feel that pressure. And it's not from other people. Anyway, God and I actually had to talk about it last week. <laughs> but that's for another episode. But anyway, so I'm in the middle of, you know, 
cleaning all the bedding and, you know, doing all the things. And I go into the kid's bathroom and there's like this weird substance smeared all over the sink. And I was like, what is this? And I called Lydia in and she was like, I have no idea what this is. And I call Caroline in and she's like, I don't know. And it, like, obviously it's her, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what? I got to work with her on how to give a proper answer <laughs> so as to not get caught. What we is say this? with confidence, young lady. Yes. So then I go to close the bathroom door and I see like this squished up something all over the door. And I realize this is banana. Banana? So this child has somehow got it in her mind that she was going to play a prank on her brothers and sisters. So she climbed up in the bathroom on top of the bathroom door and put a squished banana up there. So that when the kids opened the door, the banana would fall on them. <laughs> I have to give her points. I mean, I feel like this is uber creative. It might have some like YouTube inspiration there. Yes, that's we're going back to the YouTube. <laughs> the YouTube. Some family is doing this. I really, you know what? I actually did cut off YouTube because I'm like, I need a break from this nonsense. I okay, love it. so then we kind of get that figured out, and I'm like honey like props to you for wanting to do a prank I think that's super cute could mama and you like be in on this together next time could we do something fun together because we just we can't go smashing bananas like around the house okay and she's like okay but for me thankfully even though I was kind of high strung in that moment I realized she was not trying to like be a problem she was trying to do a prank so anyway so I'm cleaning the house and stuff and I was busy all day cleaning so then I go into her room to tuck her in that night, and I see that there's big paint drops all over her floor. I'm like, why is there paint in here? And I don't see any other paint to try this out or anything, so I'm like, I don't know where this paint came from. I'm like, babe, where did you get this paint? And she said, well, I was painting in my room. And I'm sitting there processing because I'm thinking she knows she can't paint in her room. Like, that's a rule we have in the house. You have to paint, like, at the kitchen table or what something. What kind of paint are we talking about? Like, by the grace of God, Rebecca, is the washable Crayola paint. Okay. The only thing that was bad, though, about it is it had that glitter in it. So it was that Her floor thick... is sparkly. Yes. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, I had just gotten all these floors clean, and now I'm going to get the carpet cleaner out again. And I've got to try and figure out how to get all this glitter paint out of the carpet, you know? But that's another one where it was childhood foolishness. Yes. She didn't get disciplined for that because... Honestly, that was on me. Like, had I ever set the rule? And then also on me, because why was I not paying attention to what she was doing? You know? I know, but there's a little bit of that. There's a little Rebecca shaking her head. I feel like Caroline Grace is getting a lot of grace. She she is. But, but I did. still feel like she might know that she shouldn't be dropping paint on the carpet. Yes. And I think she knew that she shouldn't because she was kind of trying to cover it up. You know? Because um, she had some towel out where she had tried to wipe some up so I had to say like okay you know and we had to have a sit down but now she knows so if she does something like that again then yes for sure she's I mean I'm on the edge of my seat for the next couple weeks because I cannot (laughs) wait to hear if she's gonna do it again she's in that sneaky mode where she's kind of getting into stuff and you know so it can be tricky and it's that borderline of like is this childhood foolishness or is this you know, direct disobedience. Well, and as a mom, you're like, oh, they're playing in their room so well. They're yeah. They're not making a peep. That was it, I've Rebecca. Arrived. This is amazing. That was it. I thought she has been playing in her room all day. This is so great, yeah. you know? And then you find out, ooh, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, you know, I think, I think a lot of that too, though, that comes down, sometimes we discipline even when it's just foolishness because 
it has infringed on our comfort, mm-hmm. order. It's not necessarily because they've been disobedient. It's because it's bothered us. And right. so we end up spanking them or yelling at them. And it wasn't, you know, an act of contrition on their part, but they were trying to do something bad. It's just, it bothered us. So we respond in anger. Right. And that's where I think sometimes as a parent, it's in that moment where you just kind of jump the wrong way. Yeah. Like straight to anger, discipline, whatever. Yeah. And then later on you're like, oh, they really weren't trying to like mess my life up. Right. So. They were just being foolish. Yes. Right. Yes. So, you know, I, I think we have to, we have to calibrate our expectations a little bit for our kids. You know, I think a lot of us expect 100% obedience and it's just not a realistic expectation. So toddler wise, which I really loved, I read that um, before I had my toddlers because I did baby wise and then toddler wise, but they had a stat that has always stuck with me. And um, they said for a two year old, um, obedience, meaning that they comply with your instructions, that they're only going to do that about 60% of the time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that you set that expectation. Hey, listen, I mean, we're working toward obedience, 100% obedience, right? We want them to, I say something, you do it. But set realistic expectations for yourself, mamas that have toddlers. Right. That is just not realistic for them. You know, they are only going to be able to obey you about 60% of the time. Well, and temper your response to that too. So if you're flying off the handle, it should be like one in a million because that it deserved, you know, craziness or whatever. Right. But for the rest of the time, you know, because I do think sometimes as parents, when we yell too much, it becomes like everything's a big deal. Yes. Everything's a big deal. Yes. It's not all a big deal. Right. You're right. It's not all a big deal. And I think that we can expect that our kids are going to disobey. They're going to disobey. They're humans. They're sinners. They're going to make bad choices. Don't you ever wonder, this is random, (laughs) rabbit trail down the beach, Um, in the garden after Adam and Eve disobeyed and ate the fruit? Like, what else did they do? (laughs) I mean, once the door was open, was it like, okay, what else can we try? They threw a wild party. I don't know. I'm just curious. (laughs) Buried each other in the sand. The only thing the Bible tells us is they ate the fruit. But surely there was something else, right? Yes, yes, but we're just like them, right? So, you know, we're going to eat the fruit. And our kids are too, right? Um, But, you know. Apparently the banana. Yeah, the banana. But it's something we can work toward. So a little nugget to share with you. In our house, we started this with our kids when they were very little. We remind our kids that we obey right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. And we just repeat it over and over and over. So we know, they know, when I tell you to do something, I expect you to do it right away, do it the whole way, don't have to do it, and do it with a happy heart, which is the hardest part of that equation. Yeah, try that on our teenagers. I know. It's a struggle. (laughs) And that's the part we're always going back to is the heart. Yeah. So, but let's talk a little bit very practically about why kids don't obey right away. Right? Because that's a struggle, I think, for all of us. You say, go clean up your room. Go get in the shower. Go make your lunch. Right? Yes. We're giving them some instruction to, to do or stop doing something. And that is the source of so much conflict with us and so much of our interruptions because they aren't doing it yes. right away. Yes. So there's some things that we can do on our end that help us understand why they aren't obeying right away. So one of those is that our kids don't share our priorities. Correct. So if a kiddo is sitting there building a Lego set that they're really involved in or playing some video game or whatever they're doing, and we say to them, hey, I need you to go set the table for dinner. Well, listen, we have very disparate priorities. And for them, the priority that moment is I'm in the middle of a game. (laughs) 
why do I have to help you with dinner? Right. My friends are playing with me online or I'm almost done with this Lego set or you know what I mean? Like that is their priority. And for us, our priority is I have to get these kids fed for dinner. Right. So we're in just like very different mindsets of what is important in that moment. And for a kid, what they're doing is important, even if it doesn't seem like it to us. Don't you think they don't understand time either? Yeah. Is that one of your points? No. But I just, I'm like, they don't understand that like it's 6.15 and I need to feed you at 6.30 so that you can go take a bath at 7.30. Like they don't understand the rest of the calendar fill in. Yes. Because they're just living in the moment. Exactly. So they're like, why can't it wait five more minutes? Exactly. what's going to happen? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to get to that one because actually one of, one of them is, you know, that we've already determined in our mind what we want to do next. Yes. And our brains have mentally transitioned. So we have already thought five steps ahead of all the things that need to happen. That's so true. Right. And theirs haven't. And so when we go in guns a blazing and say, stop doing these Legos right now. I need you to go blah, blah, blah. They're like, whoa, whoa, what was this direction change? I was in the middle of this thing, right? Yes, yes. We haven't given them, we haven't given them time to catch up and to get on the same level with what we're doing here as a team, what the priority is right now. Oh, that's so good because, I mean, that's what moms do. We think 12 steps ahead. Yeah. So we already know the play of how it's going to go. Yeah. And kids, I mean, bless kids' heart, I kind of want to live in that world where it's like, I have no idea what's happening in 30 minutes. I'm just enjoying the Legos. For sure. (laughs) And food's going to magically appear on the table in a minute when I get hungry. Right. This is awesome. Yes, and not the pressure of, okay, if I'm going to have all these kids in bed by 8.30, we got to go, (laughs) you know? All right, so something you mentioned earlier is um, they don't respond right away. Another reason is because they are used to us yelling when it's really important. Yes, Right? We've conditioned this. They know that I'm not really serious until I raise my voice. That's very true. Right? Yes. And so we've conditioned them for us to say, hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I told you. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And they're like, oh, mom voice. Right? I better go. And then so they don't do it until that, because they know that we're not serious until then. Yes. That's so true. And that's on us. We've conditioned that in them. And so if we want to change that, if that's something that you're struggling with as a mama, then you have to make the decision, okay, I'm going to tell them once. If they don't do it, they're getting the consequence then, you know? Yes. Stop yelling. Just stop yelling. If you tell them, hey, I need you to go set the table and they don't, then you have to say, I told you to go set the table. You either do it right now or I'm taking away your Legos for a week. You know what I mean? Like there's an immediate. (gasps) Drop the bomb. (laughs) Nuclear, that's what Greg Greg calls it in our house. He goes, why are you going nuclear? He feels like I dropped an atomic bomb because I'll like blow up and be like, that's it. No more fun and happiness forever. <laughs> and he's like, really? I don't think you needed to go nuclear yet. Well, but you know, sometimes if you, if you wait too long, then you end up going nuclear yourself. You end up losing it. So this is so interesting. So I was a teacher, and I think one of the really cool things about being a teacher and being a mom is you learn classroom management. So you get taught skills for how to handle children, you know? Yes. And you really do. Like, And it's so helpful to kind of understand like how kids think and how you manage a classroom so that you're in control and they're listening, right, so that you can teach them things. So there was a great Um, woman that came in and she was a horse trainer and she used her horse training strategies to help us with classroom management. 
And so she had a strategy called wiggle, wiggle, whack. And so with horses, when she was training these stubborn horses, if they didn't listen to the command she gave, she would give like a little jerk on them, a little wiggle that they had made the bad choice and they needed to get back on track. They did it one more time. She gave another little wiggle. Then if they still didn't do it, she whacked them with the whatever that or whip or whatever, you Uh know, uh to get them in line. So that helps me in my classroom so that what would happen if a kid, if I'm sitting up there teaching and he's not listening, then I just walk over to his table and I put my hand on his table and I pat it because that means that's a wiggle. Yeah. Because I'm saying, hey, you're out of line. I need you to pay attention. Right. Okay. If he continues to like be disruptive or something like that, that I'm going to look at him and say, Johnny, pay attention. And then if, and then tell me what's the whack, what's the whack. And then if he doesn't do it again, then what she trained us to do. And I did this in my classroom is I had pieces of paper that had detention on them. And so then if that kid, if I had to whack them, I just walked over and I sat a piece of paper on their desk and it said that you were assigned detention. See me after class. And that was the whack. That was the whack. We were done. You know, I shut it down at that point. I was not having to yell at any kids. I was not having to disrupt my classroom. And I think there's something about that in parenting where, you know, the kids have to know. So in my house, I'll tell them to do something. If I can see that they're resisting, I hold up my fingers and I count down from five. And that's a way, if we're in public, if we're with people, then it's only the child and I that are seeing me do that. But they know they have five, four, three to obey. Okay. And then if they don't, that's when I'm like, drop the bomb. And I don't hold back on to consequences. They're big if the kid doesn't obey at that point. Why did I not know this 10 years ago? I feel like I have missed a whole season of parenting where I could have wiggle, wiggle, whacked. I mean, for me, I don't know why. That visual in my head makes such perfect sense. Yeah. And it gives me a breather before I jump off the bridge. Exactly, because you don't have to get so wound up and, you know, where it's just like going nuts. You're like, I told you. I told you, bam. <laughs> you I love, know? I love the bam part. Yeah. Pretty wiggle, wiggle, whack. that. Yes. The final thing, I think the reason that they don't obey right away is they don't feel connected to us. I think it's hard for our kids, um, you know, and I don't know if this is necessarily true in, in yours in my home, but I know that there are homes where, you know, the child does not feel connected to the parent. The parent is an authoritarian mm-hmm. situation. And so there's no love there. There's no, Hey, I'm disciplining you because I'm loving you. I'm telling you to do this thing because I'm loving you. They don't feel connected. And so they're going to buck up against that because they're like, well, why, why would I want to obey you if you don't care about me? Right. There's that whole piece of it. That's very important. Well, and I think that's the struggle is that all of our kids go to, they're all going to school together. Yeah. They're all seeing each other do this in classrooms. Yeah. Across America. Yeah. And so my kids are looking at these other kids that are going up against teachers and principals and not mm. doing what they're supposed to say. And they're like, I can't believe they kid, that kid would act that way. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I wonder what it's like in their home, you know? Yeah. Because if they haven't been taught or if they haven't been cared for yeah. or if they don't understand the significance of authority and respect then they're not going to do it at school. Right. They're most assuredly not doing it at home. Yeah. So it's like I have compassion for those kids thinking, I just wonder if they just need, you know, a little extra help. Well, and I can say from having those kids in the classroom that those ended up being the kids that I loved the most. Because if you will lean into them and love them, even though you're disciplining them, they will gravitate towards you because they want, they want that connection with you. They yes. want that consistency from you. Well, and I think all the research tells you that kids long for boundaries. Yes. 
they need to know where the rules are because yeah. it's easier for them to operate inside those rules. Not because we're sinful people and we've got our things, you know, we're going to try and buck up against that. Yeah. But even as an adult, I think I feel more secure when I know the rules, like what's oh, expected sure. of me in this situation. Yes. You know? And then it really is me making an intentional choice to go outside those boundaries when I do. Yeah. But I think our kids really do long for that. And so as parents, when we think we're being like, oh, I'm going to be the nice parent today and just be like, it's a free for all, yeah. you know, yeah. that's when it gets crazy. It's because, unsettling because yes. it's inconsistent. They don't know what the expectations are. You're so right. And I think sometimes, I mean, we're coming up on summer too, that happens where yes. you're like, oh, cool. No alarm, no school. The wheels come Woo, off. Free yeah. for all. Yeah. But then you find yourself in chaos and you're having to reel it back in. Yes. That's so good. That's so, that's good. So I think the final reason that they struggle to obey is because they're sinners. <laughs> and I think this is really important for us to keep in mind. You know, they are sinners just like we are. Right, right. And so there's a propensity within them to disobey and to want their own way. And I love what Paul Tripp says in his book, Parenting. He talks about how every act of disobedience is an opportunity for us as their parents to go after their heart. Mm-hmm. So I think so often with disobedience, we just want them to stop doing the bad thing and to do the right thing. And we miss the opportunity there. So instead of seeing as, you know, their disobedience as inconvenient, that we start to see it as an opportunity. Because you have this moment where where you have to discipline this child, you have to go and have a conversation with them, and you get to go after their heart and expose that sinful part in them that wants to do these bad things, that potentially wants, that lies or hurts other people or steps outside the boundaries because they want what they want and they're sinners, you know? I think realizing for you and I, Rebecca, our sin, that's what drove us to Jesus, right? When I understood that I needed a savior and that by myself, I was doomed for hell and just being enslaved, all these terrible vices that my flesh wants. When I realized that I needed Jesus, that was because I was exposed to my sin and I understood how much I needed him. Well, and it's a reminder to us of our father's discipline, that God disciplines me too, that, that he loves me so much that when he sees me making a bad choice, he leans in yeah. because he's more interested in my heart than in behavior modification. That's right. And that's what makes it so special to be a mom because we're just following in the footsteps of our father, trying to do that very same thing with our kids. Yes. And behavior modification is exactly it because we can go after behavior modification. And when we do that, we're just raising little Pharisees. We're raising little kids who know right from wrong, but they they are missing out on the hope of Jesus, right? And inevitably that's going to catch up with them and they are going to find themselves desperate and longing because they don't have what they really need. So instead of behavior modification, what we want to go after is heart transformation. We want to have these opportunities with our children in these moments when we discipline them to help show them that they need Jesus. And I want to share with you a little bit about how that looks in my house, what that conversation looks like when I have to discipline a kiddo. I learned this from Paul Tripp, and I feel like this is the other very practical part of this segment. So let's say it's Caroline. She has hit a friend. They were outside playing. She hits a friend. The friend comes to tell me because this is how it happens. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I bring her in, and I put her on the timeout mat or whatever it is. And then after she's had a minute to time of time out, I go and talk to her. Now, this is very important. I'm not yelling at her across the house, okay? I am going to her. I'm going to get on her level. And instead of raising my voice, I'm going to lower my voice. And we're going to bring the whole thing down. And I'm going to go to her and I'm going to say, what happened? 
and she's going to tell me what happened. And when she tells me what happened, she's going to blame it on the other person, right? Of course, yes. Okay. Or on some circumstances, okay, because we are Adam and Eve, right? So she's going to blame it, and I'm going to say, okay, but you tell me, what did you do? And then I'm going to make her use I language and take responsibility for what she did. And I'm going to say, why did you do that? And she's going to explain, well, she took my doll or she, and why did that bother you? And I'm just going to go after that baby's heart. And I'm going to keep asking those questions until she realizes that she is selfish. And we're going to go back to this is sin. Mm -hmm. Sin is the middle letter in the word I. It's when I place myself as the most important thing in this world. And you're a sinner and you need Jesus. So we're going to pray to him and we're going to ask him to help you. And then we pray. And then I take a minute and say, okay, now you need to go apologize to the neighbor girl. You need to write. These are your expectations. But we are going to stop down and go after their heart. Now, please do not hear me and think that I'm doing this 20 times a day. (laughs) This is not happening all the time. This is happening once a week a couple times a week, you know, when we stop and need to have a full conversation with the kid, but we're having a chance to go after their heart. God, this is so good. I kind of feel like I need a session with you. (laughs) Okay, Rebecca, tell me what happened. (laughs) Okay, but tell me what you did. Right. I like, I feel like I need to use this language on myself. No, it's so important because it helps us take ownership. And then it helps us, you know, I think Rebecca, you know, both of us can struggle as we've been Christians for a long time with forgetting just how sinful we are. Yes. And it's important for us too to go to the Father and say, I did this. This was my part in it. And I did it because I'm selfish. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so good. So one thing I want you to remember, mamas, is that this is a process. It's not an event. We must be committed as their parents to long-term growth, right? This this is going to be happening over their whole lives. And we'll see things we thought we had nipped in the bud rear their ugly heads again because this is a process. This is a growing, living human being. Our children need us to exercise authority as the representative of the author of lasting change. That's from Paul Tripp. I'm going to say it one more time. Our children need us to exercise authority as the representative of the author of lasting change. We want to keep leading them back to the God who can change their hearts. They can't change themselves. They need God. We can't change them. They need God. And they need to obey. It is good for them. Ephesians 6 tells children, it says, honor your father and mother. And it's the only commandment with a promise. It says that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life because when they are honoring their father and mother, it's putting up these guardrails along their life to help keep them safe. So one last practical thing I'm going to share with you that I learned is we did this with the kids. You can put a hula hoop on the floor in your living room, or you can put it like a circle of tape and you're going to put all of your kids in the middle of the tape or the hula hoop. And you're going to say, This hula hoop around us, these are the rules and boundaries that mom and dad have set for you. This is why we say, you know, you have to ride your bike with a helmet. You have to have a seatbelt in the car, right? Right. And you kind of go through some of those rules. And you say, because when you stay in here, you are safe. When you step out of here, you are stepping out of the boundary of safety. And so these rules that we have for you, we have you in these guardrails to help keep you safe. Okay, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life. We want you to live and we want you to live fully. So we have these rules in place for you. And, you know, your children, as they get older, they might think that those rules are restricting their freedom, you know, but you, you, then when they start to get to being teenagers, you can tell them, Hey, 
look at the drug addict who didn't have any rules on them and they thought they were free to go and do drugs. Do they seem free now? No, they're enslaved to this addiction. What about this kid over here who they had no rules in their house about pornography and so he was free to watch whatever he wanted and now he is enslaved to it. Is he free? No, he is not free. We put boundaries around you to keep you free. We do this because we love you. And I want you to know, you know, we're talking about some things that are big and we are having to execute these on a daily level. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming. Like, how do I do this? But I want you to know that you are not left alone. Remember that if God called you to be this child's mom, then he's also equipped you to the task. And in closing, I want to read to you Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. And it says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, Then all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Mamas, we love you. I hope this has been encouraging. We will place all these practical tips in the show notes, and we will see you next time. Bye, moms. Gather Moms is part of a whole community of women who mom in any way, and we want you to connect to that community. Go to gathermoms.com to learn how to join a gather group.